Well, good morning, church. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to preach this morning. And again, I just want to remind you that at the end of my message, so in about 20 minutes, uh, we will be taking communion together. So I encourage you to do that um, however you can. A funny story from the men's retreat was uh, that our, our um, communion juice was drinking before communion took place. And so one of the guys drove into Caroline, and he, he couldn't find grape juice, but he found some grape-ish colored Gatorade. And um, the men at men's retreat probably didn't know this, but we took communion with uh, over 100 men, about 150 men, using Gatorade grape juice. So uh, whatever you have at home, I encourage you to, uh, to prepare that uh, for you and your family, and we will take communion together at the end of this message. Well, it's hard to believe that, the month, that we're in the month of April. Uh, March was in no way what any of us would have expected. Uh, Back when I was at men's retreat, that was just the beginning of March. Um, We weren't even talking about COVID at that retreat. And it was later that week that TCC and churches across Edmonton decided that we needed to cancel our services. And we've been adjusting to new realities, new circumstances. Uh, We've been filled with disappointments throughout this time. We've been dealing with cancellations of events, things that we've been looking forward to. I was training for a race that's been canceled, and to be honest, it's really hard to stay motivated uh, to even get out there and keep running. And if I'm honest with you, I've been incredibly disoriented uh, these past few weeks. How do you navigate a time like this? And in my times of prayer and my times with the Lord, I, I come to Him confused. It's like, God, what's going on? Why are we in this place? Lord, why do we have to deal with this? How is it that this has happened? Even praying prayers, asking the Lord, God, why aren't you just providing a cure? Why did this spread the way that it did? If you're anything like me, you might come to a point where you wonder, where is God in the midst of this? Where is Jesus? Has he felt near to you in this season? Has he been a presence that's been known and felt in your household? Or has he felt a little bit distant in these past few weeks? Well, we're continuing on in our series in Mark this morning, which lands us at the Last Supper. And um, you will notice by looking at the calendar that today is Palm Sunday. And if you've been paying attention to our series in Mark, you'll know that we actually skipped over the Palm Sunday section of, um, of Mark. Uh, that was by design. And I'm going to revisit that section back in Mark uh, chapter 11. Uh, but I also want us to, we're going to look at three different scenes this morning. Because I believe that much like us, the first century Jews were facing a lot of disappointments some 2,000 years ago. I think that much like us, 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, the people were maybe a little frustrated at God. They were maybe a little disappointed. They were probably wondering how long they had to stay in the situation that they found themselves in. So I want us to look at them this morning. Our first scene is the triumphal entry in Mark chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. And the story is quite familiar, isn't it? Jesus and his disciples are approaching Jerusalem. And as they get there, Jesus sends two of his disciples into town. And he tells them to go get a donkey. It's kind of weird. 
And the way the story unfolds is two of the disciples go, they find this donkey, and they just take the donkey. The owner's like, hey, what are you doing? That's my donkey. And they're like, Jesus needs it. And of course, that made sense to the man, and so he let them take the donkey. Uh, We pick up in verse 7. And the disciples brought the colt, uh, sorry, and the disciples brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and Jesus sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches and, uh, that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming king of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! Wow! Can you imagine being there? The energy, the excitement. Now, why were the people so excited? Well, they probably thought back to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And in Zechariah chapter 9, there's this prophecy about the coming king of Israel. And it reads like this. It says, Behold, your king is coming to you righteous, and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on what? On a donkey. And there was already this expectation building around Jesus. People were already wondering, is he the one that God sent? Is he the one who's going to save us? And so when Jesus is coming in on the donkey, it's like, whoa. This this is what Zechariah was talking about. The the, the Messiah's coming. It's it's coming true. He's here. And so they gave Jesus a parade. The energy would have been amazing. But see, it's interesting when we look at the situation the Jews are in in, here in Jerusalem. You see, they're living under Roman occupation. And they believe that this Messiah, this Savior, was going to come and and free them from Roman rule. They thought that this Savior was going to come and lead an uprising, a rebellion. They thought that that this Messiah was going to come and restore the kingdom of David. They thought that This Messiah was going to get a group of people together and they were going to take back what was rightfully theirs. You see, the Jews were living in a time and a season where things were not the way that they wanted them to be. They needed salvation. But in the week that follows, we know that Jesus did not lead an uprising. We know that Jesus did not overthrow the Romans. The people missed it. And it's interesting, if we fast forward one week, we move to our second scene in Mark chapter 15, verses 6 to 15. You can turn there if you'd like. That's Mark chapter 15, verses 6 to 15. Jesus, instead of leading a rebellion, has been arrested. And he's being held by Pilate. And Pilate brings Jesus before all of the people. And Pilate doesn't understand why, why do they want to kill this guy? And so he's trying to figure out a way to free Jesus. And this is what we read in chapter 15, verse 6. Now at the feast, he, he, that's Pilate, used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. 
And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But, it, but the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has, they, has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! Friends, I can't help but wonder, are some of the people yelling crucify him the same ones that shouted Hosanna just one week before? I can't help but wonder if the people who were so excited about Jesus coming were then filled with this disappointment and this frustration that he didn't do what they wanted him to do. And so they quickly turned their backs. And instead of shouting Hosanna, which means save us, they were shouting crucify him. Friends, I worry that I can be like these people. I worry that when things are good in my life, it's easy for me to praise God, to be excited about who He is, to, to want to share Him with other people. But when the world and my life doesn't totally go the way that I think that it should, I wonder how fast I am to turn my back on Jesus. To not turn to Him in the midst of frustration and disappointment, but instead turn away from Him. But much like these first century Jews, I, I wonder if I am missing what Jesus actually came to bring. What did he come to bring? Is it possible that what Jesus brought is greater than what we and those in Jerusalem thought that he would bring? Well, I think that it is. Friends, Jesus can exceed our expectations. Not giving us what we think we need, but providing for our deeper need and giving to us himself. That takes us to the third scene. Mark chapter 14, verses 22 to 24. From a dirt road to kind of a courtroom setting to now a table. The Last Supper. Having victoriously come into Jerusalem, Jesus doesn't give his disciples what they wanted. He didn't meet their expectations. Jesus didn't lead, he didn't give them the rebellion they wanted. Instead, he gave to them a cup and a piece of bread. Jesus didn't come and become the king that they wanted him to be. Instead, he gave to them the cup and a piece of bread. Jesus didn't reach into the situation and, and circumstance of Israel at that time and just change it 
the way that they wanted him to change it. Instead, he gave to them a cup and a piece of bread. Common items that they would interact with on a regular basis. Bread and a cup. Friends, in Jesus giving these, he far surpasses our expectations. He far surpasses our expectations. We can be living in this time of this COVID-19 pandemic, wondering, Jesus, where are you? Why aren't you just making things better for me? Why aren't you just fixing things? Why aren't you just reaching out and changing everything? And I believe that Jesus is saying to you, friends, the bread, the cup, let me far exceed your expectations. Verse 22 begins like this. And as the disciples and Jesus were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. Now we often reflect on the bread as this broken, Jesus' broken body for us. And that is so true. But commentator uh, William Lane points us beyond this as well. He says not only do we need to notice that the bread is broken, but we need to recognize what does Jesus do with the bread? He takes a piece of bread and he breaks it. His body broken for us. But then he distributes it among the disciples. So yes, it's a picture of his body about to be literally broken. But it's also Jesus. He distributes it among his disciples. And and in that moment, his disciples are sitting there each disciple symbolically holding in their hands Jesus himself, given to them. Jesus has given him them himself. Jesus has given us himself, his very presence. In breaking and giving the bread, Jesus was essentially distributing himself giving them and to us a promise of his presence with us that's to be recalled every time we sit down and partake the bread. Jesus' first gift to his disciples was the pledge of his abiding presence with them. And friends, as we partake of the bread, it is a reminder of his abiding presence with us. Friends, Jesus is with us in the midst of this situation in the world. He's present to us. The temptation that we will experience is to choose not to be present to him. The temptation that we will experience is to turn our focus and our attention on everything but Jesus and miss that he is with us. That he is with us 
as we go through every situation. Jesus has given us himself. Secondly, Jesus goes on in this, in this passage and says, And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. The blood of the covenant. Now, we don't have time to explain what a covenant is. Um, in my, one of the classes I teach, we, we talk about covenant as a promise promise. You remember when you were kids and um, you'd make a promise and, and a kid would ask, well, do you, do you pinky promise? You know, it's as if to say that a promise with words isn't enough. But if somehow if we lock our pinkies, well, now it's a real promise. And when we look at covenants in Scripture, this is a, it pales in comparison, but it's, it's like a promise, promise that God has made with His people to be with them. And, and that promise, promise is sealed in blood. And in Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, Jeremiah prophesies of this new promise that's going to be established between God and His people. Jesus' second gift to His disciples then is the assurance that he is their Savior, who gave them a way to be in relationship with God once again through his death. You see, the original promise that God's people made to God and God made to his people, uh, the people couldn't keep it. They kept making mistakes. They kept screwing it up. It wasn't a promise that we could keep on our own. And so Jesus comes and he fulfills that promise. And he will eternally keep up his end of the deal. And that's what we are reminded of in the cup. We go on in this little section to to verse 25 and we read, Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So when we drink of this cup, not only are we reminded of this new promised relationship we have with God through Jesus, but we are also reminded of our future hope. A hope that is so great. A hope that is to see Jesus come and make everything right again. Everything that is wrong in this world being made right. So friends, as we deal with disappointment in this season, as we navigate a year that a lot of the expectation and the hope that we had is being disappointed, I want to encourage you to remember that Jesus is with you. His presence is with us. Jesus desires to satisfy every part that's in us. Jesus desires to bring to us life to the full. How does that happen? Well, it comes to us in his presence. And it's sealed and guaranteed to us by the promise that we have in his death and resurrection. So friends, we need to remember that he's with us. And we need to remember what he's done for us. So I want to invite you now to take whatever you have available uh, with you in, in your home for communion.
And I I want to encourage you to gather together with your family and take this bread, whatever bread you have, maybe it's a cracker, maybe it's a wafer, I don't know. (laughs) But take that bread and, and distribute it. Let each person have have a peace. Similarly, distribute the cup, the juice, the Gatorade, whatever you found available in your house this morning. And I'm going to pray for us But as we take communion together this morning, let us remember the bread, God's presence with us. And remember in the cup, that reminder of what he has done for us, the hope that we have with him. So Father God, we thank you for what these elements represent. For the bread and the wine. We thank you for what they remind us of. What they point us to. Lord, and as we eat the bread and drink the cup, help us to remember the promise that you made to be with us. Help us to see how you are with us, even now. And Lord, may as we interact with these symbols, may the truth that they communicate settle deep into our hearts. And Lord, may you bless us with the assurance of your presence. Lord, an assurance that brings peace and joy and hope. Lord, may we experience those this morning. Your peace, your joy, and your hope. As we remember that you are with us. As we remember what you have done for us. Amen. For I received from the Lord that what I, which I also delivered to you, that on the night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Eat the bread. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Drink the cup. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to join me on the platform. We're just going to sing a song of praise in this reflection of how great our God is. How great he is for being with us. How great he is for the blessings that he brings to us. And my prayer for you this week, Terwilliger Community Church, is that you would experience the joy, the peace, the hope 
of Jesus in your households this week, that even this day, be blessed.